We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, The place to up-level that sexy life of yours. With expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Woo! All right. Hey, lovers. Welcome back to the show. This is Dr. Kat, your favorite sex expert. And recently on my Instagram at Sex Love Yoga, I shared with you all about this present experience that I'm having, and maybe you can relate. I took this summer off of working on anything related to business expansion and really just dropped off of production in general, like stopped. If you've noticed, I haven't been putting out as putting out podcasts. I paused on really marketing expansion and, um, product creation and program creation for pretty much the whole summer. <laughs> and now I'm sitting back here and I'm feeling pretty dreamy. I'm feeling, feeling very light in my body. I'm feeling very relaxed. I'm feeling um, very empowered and, and letting some of my emails know that I will get back to them when I get back to them. And, and truthfully, shit hasn't hit the fan. Like, yes, some things have fallen off, but, but my world hasn't blown up like my mental anxiety back in the spring or really ever <laughs> has always convinced me that if I didn't start, that if I stopped or if I relaxed and things, or if I didn't keep up with the pressures that are put on us as these professionals, especially in the, in the world of healing or coaching or, or therapy that it wouldn't be able to recover, right? We're given this this motto of content is king. Content is king. Over and over and over again, I hear this. Consistency in content. And yo, I want to be a queen. I don't want to be this whole thing that's just like constantly producing, producing, producing. Because what happens is that we experience burnout. And maybe raise your hand if you worked all throughout this pandemic, which for me, I, I fully admit at the beginning of this whole lockdown thing, I was elated. Like the little introverted <laughs> part of me was like, yay, nobody can bother me. I can dive into writing all day and creating and researching and, and nobody to bug me except for my amazing clients, which I love you. And I can hold that space for you. But then it was like in the in, in between of that, I was like working, working, working because there was nowhere else to be, nothing else to do. And that led to me truthfully becoming less embodied. Now I, I do yoga and I do, you know, my things, but it is very comfortable for me to drop into my mind and be very cerebral as well. And so when everything closed down, I, it, it created the ease for that to, to slip into that and just be in the head all the time and drinking a lot of coffee and producing and going and doing. And I noticed how my nervous system started to kick up 
And there was this pressure that I was putting on myself to continue to produce. And y'all know what I'm talking about when I'm saying, um, you saw the memes out there, you know, you saw memes that were telling you now is your chance to write your best-selling novel or, or learn a guitar or learn this and that. And then you also saw memes on the other side that said, if you even get out of your bed and take a shower, congratulations, you're taking care of yourself. And that's all we're asking of you. And these messages are very confusing, but ultimately I think this is a, this is uh, a symbol of really what happens with our world at large, whether we're in a pandemic or not, the pandemic and the lockdown just made it a lot easier for us to, to be hard on ourselves and to be with ourselves and to get stuck in the head and less in the body. Now this isn't sustainable. <laughs> Like, duh, this is not sustainable. And you saw the after effects of that. Like a lot of us struggled with our mental health. A lot of us struggled with our physical health. A lot of us struggled with our relational health. And so for me, how this manifested in the springtime, I was, and maybe you followed along with uh, some of the other episodes where I've talked about um, some of my gut health or some of my, um, you know, the autoimmune reactions that I was having. And this is all indications or this is all the body talking to us and saying that something's not quite right, you know? And then we fall into the, let me do all of my research for that and figure that out. And, and let me do all the self-help and let me take all the supplements and let me, let me uh, self-diagnose. And yet how important it is ultimately to see what the root of this is. Your body is saying no. And Dr. Gabor Mate is an epic, epic researcher on this exact topic of how chronic disease can manifest as a result of us pushing beyond our, what our body's capabilities are or what our body is, what is true and authentic for our body. And it gets to the point of um, where the body is saying no. So it is from his research, he identifies people who, who develop some of these chronic diseases, cancer, um, chronic pain are the same people who struggle with, um, expressing themselves, um, asking for their needs to be met, saying no, setting boundaries. These people tend to be described as the nicest people in the world. But then we ask these, then we wonder, you know, are these, yes, they're being nice, but is that their authentic voice? Like, is that really what it is that they need? Or are they utilizing it probably unconsciously as a way to protect themselves or to preserve these relationships, right? If we are over nice and, and let me just add, I'm not suggesting to be arrogant or inconsiderate of other people or even mean. But if we uh, make space for everybody else, are we also self-sacrificing? And then what do we do with that when we're in dissonance with our body? So like our body's giving us one message, but we override that with the mind. You know what I'm talking about? Mind over body. And where does that go? It Well, it stores. It stores in the body. And when it stores in the body... It, it can fester, you know, think about hold, holding that mentality for a long period of time. It's not sustainable because it's not true. And so 
if we think about so that's what was happening with me and I needed to take a hard stop and face the part of me that fears if I pause, if I stop, you know, if I stop, don't even answer some of these emails that people are trying to get me to you know, be on board with, what's going to happen? You know, am I going to die? <laughs> am I going to um, witness my business become a failure? Am I going to be alone? Am I going to be poor. (laughs) I'm not going to be able to take care of myself. And these are all the narratives that are going on inside of us from these parts of us that are just trying to protect us, that are just trying to take care of us. Okay. Let's have have some compassion for these parts of ourselves and to recognize that something has to change. Living in these states of suspending what is true for us is not healthy for us, is not healthy for our relationships, is not healthy for our career or anybody else that we're helping. So we've experienced burnout in our day. (laughs) We've experienced burnout in our career, perhaps. Maybe we've made even made some career changes. We've experienced burnout in our relationships. And we've experienced burnout, possibly even in our sex lives. You know, the relationships that become sexless, sexless marriages, Um, relationships in which we feel resentment. Resentment is another symptom of us continuing onward in a way that isn't connected with our authentic self. The solution to these things is not necessarily to leave. I think sometimes we hit that point in a relationship. We feel burned out or we feel like we're pulling away. We feel resentful. We feel, um, I don't know, maybe disgusted (laughs) or maybe we just aren't attracted to them anymore. And that doesn't mean, doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship has taken its, its, you know, on a route. (laughs) It's lived its cycle. (laughs) But what it does mean is that we've got to take a look at how, what our role is in here, how well we're able to invite our authentic self here and to figure out what we can do to make this sustainable. How can we make the relationship, the career, our day, our sex lives, more sustainable, more pleasurable. So let's think of it this way. We are operating in a way that is an attempt to get our core basic human needs met. So some of those are like safety, security, um, to be seen, to be heard. We need to play. We need to have fun. We need rest to belong. Right. And so we, from our childhood, have formulated these solutions, quote unquote, on being able to get some of these needs met. And as children, (laughs) when our needs aren't met or when we're not feeling safe or when we're not feeling um, connected with or soothed, soothed is another um, core basic human need, then 
it can feel very scary for us. It can feel really intense. It can feel really loud in our system. We have to be able to establish safety and security again. Um, imagine it's like a little kid in the department store, right? And and they just get lost. They lose their parents, and it's like, <gasps> oh my god, and we have a tantrum, or we just break down crying, and we're like, oh my god, until our um, caregiver, our primary caregiver is able to come and, um, uh, just by their presence, we're soothed, right? Our needs are met and we can relax. We may still be operating from some of those solutions and we're not even consciously aware of them because as children, we're just kind of like throwing out these different, these different strategies and seeing what, what sticks, what gets me met, right? What gets my need met? And it's not going to get all of our needs met. It might create a sense of safety, but in exchange for something else. So for some of us, we might have noticed that if we are a really good girl or boy, you know, and we, and we show up and we help mommy out with, with some of her, uh, some of our siblings, you know, and we help take some of the pressure off of mom so that, and she's like, oh, you're such a good little girl, a little good little boy. And, and we internalize that as, oh, this got me the need of attention. This got me the need of being seen or of um, belonging, right? Being close and connection to my parent. And so then we input, okay, that worked. Let me do that again. And oh, okay, that worked again. Let me do that again, right? And, and it so fills our internal working model of this is how we can get our needs met. Fast forward to when we're adults and we're still operating from some of these lenses. This is where it can manifest as somebody who's being super nice, you know, because they they learned from an earlier age that in order to preserve relationships or to avoid the pain of rejection or to avoid the pain of being alone or abandoned, I can <laughs> develop the skill of anticipating the needs of other people, um, use my skill of super sensitivity to be able to be there. Um, my skill of being able to tolerate high levels of stress in order to be a rock or to be a rescuer or to be in, um, somebody's protector. And all of these solutions, quote unquote, uh, create a role for us and create a protection around yeah, our place in this relationship. At the same time, it's not authentic, not really, not authentic to your body's needs, not authentic to the self with a capital S, like you, who you are, your needs. And so it's expending a lot more energy to sustain that. And you'll go and go and go until your body finally says no. So a question I put out to you is think about all the ways that you attempt to protect yourself, that you attempt to preserve your relationships or that you attempt to get your needs met. And you might feel a visceral response to this. 
because in your system, these are very real as we might over-identify with these solutions as ourselves. Well, that's just type the, the type of person I am. I show up for everything and everyone and I'll make space for everyone if it's possible. And I can, and I can stay up all night and, and I'm, I'm the type of person who will hold you through whatever it is. Okay. But that's not sustainable. How can we go through this and, and pull the threads out so that we can create a love Create a sex life, create a career, even create our Tuesday (laughs) to be one that is sustainable. Four ways that we can address this. Bringing in novelty and pleasure. Developing your skills of being able to self-regulate and balance with co-regulation. Learning about your authentic voice and cultivating your skills of boundaries. Now, all of this, we can see through the lens of our inner child, (laughs) of our child self who learned how best to be able to take care of themselves and these strategies that helped them to do that. Let's first identify novelty and pleasure. Now, we know that doing the same routine thing over and over leads to boredom and disinterest. This is where the burnout of our sex life can happen, right? We're doing the same body positions. We're doing the same thing. We're in the same room, whatever. So to bring in something that is different, something that is new, creates that interest again. Um, It might bring up some fear first because it's something new that we haven't yet mastered, but it also spices it up, changes it up. Also consider bringing in things that are pleasurable. How many of us have fallen into relationship routine? You know, where we wake up in the morning, we have the same thing for breakfast, we kiss our partner, we leave, we go to work, we come back, have dinner with our partner, watch TV, go to bed. And maybe yours differentiates a little bit to that, but but ultimately how many of us fall into this routine and it's, and then we grow bored. We're not as interested, but we're interested in say this exciting thing that's happening over here or the drama that's happening on the TV. <laughs> so think about how can we invite things that are more fun or pleasurable, things that feel good, things that pique our interest, things that are interesting to us. Can we get curious about our sex life? Can we get curious about our partner? Can we get curious about different activities that are happening beyond our routine? What I mean by the authentic voice. The authentic voice is the experience of what of self, meaning you, in a, an embodied way, an embodied, connected, clear, 
calm nervous system state. So in IFS or interfamily systems therapy, we describe this, this sense of self or self energy through eight C's and five P's. And this is, these are great indications to help you identify if you are connected to yourself. This is calmness, clarity, compassion, curiosity, confidence, courage, creativity, and connectedness. And the five P's are presence, patience, perspective, persistence, and playfulness. Now, these are signs that you are, that we're with our self energy. And sometimes I hear this referred to as quote unquote, the higher self or our intuition. And this is where we are observing. It's more of like being in this witness role. So it's not that we don't have you know, these, these parts that are experiencing anxiety or fear or, or worry, but it's not overtaking our system. It's almost like we have, it's not almost like it is, like we have some spaciousness and separation from the part so that we can observe it. I am not afraid. There's a part of me that is afraid. And this part of me, has a narrative that it's telling me in my ear about what it believes is going on in this particular environment or in this situation, this scenario. I can take a look at that part of me, observe the narrative and recognize that it is a narrative. That me, myself, in my self-energy, I have the inner resources to be able to take care of myself whatever the outcome of what happens in front of me. But when I let this part of me lead the way, then I might feel overwhelmed. I might feel crowded in my body. This, might, this will manifest in the experience of fight, flight, or freeze response. And it makes it a lot harder for us to be able to operate <laughs> most effectively. So getting into the practice of creating some spaciousness in the body, and we can do that through um, down-regulating our nervous system. So meaning using breath, using body movement, using sound, taking a cold plunge or a cold shower, Whatever exercise, whatever helps us to be able to bring our nervous system down into a calmer state of being, or even just mentally recognizing, okay, I see this part and we can use some playfulness here. There's, there's one of the P's and say, okay, part, we all know what happens when you lead the way. I feel you anxiety. I see you, <laughs> but we know when you try to lead shit, hits the fan. So maybe we can allow Dr. Cat to lead the way. <laughs> and this time and trusting that she has the skills and here's some compassion piece too to recognize that these parts again are just trying to take care of us just trying to protect us 
But when the, the reason why this is so important to learn what the authentic voice is, is because this is what strengthens our intuition. I've let, I have trauma clients who come in. Well, actually, I've had many people come and ask me, how do you tell the difference between intuition and fear? And my answer to that is sometimes it's not a different. Sometimes they are the same thing. And the way we can tell the difference of them is by this, this practice, creating some spaciousness in the self listening to the voice of the body, not making the body wrong for having its response. Because again, it's just these parts of you that are trying to protect you, trying to take care of you. And when we say that they're wrong, when we judge them or shame them for having their experience, it will only further create dysfunction and lack of clarity and trust in your own internal voice. Take a breath, feel the sensations, create spaciousness in the way that you need to. Maybe you need to leave the room for a moment. Communicate that. Let yourself step out. Notice the narrative. Detach from the narrative. Come into feeling. You can regulate yourself way quicker when you connect with the sensation in your body than if you do just ruminating on the story. Now, separating your authentic voice from the voice of another person is another skill because many of us have developed this solution of conformity, conforming to what other people need in order to preserve our placement in the group in order for us to belong. Because in our system, it is very dangerous if we don't belong. Evolutionarily, if we didn't belong, there's a more, more of a chance that a tiger or, I don't know, a dinosaur <laughs> will, will eat us or that we won't survive, that we won't be able to get our, our needs met. We won't be able to get food. We won't be able to take care of ourselves and protect against the elements or, or this, that, or the other. So it is important in our system to be able to belong. So if we conform, meaning we're able to anticipate what the other person needs, meaning we extend our conscious awareness into the other person think about how something is going to impact them or think about what they need or think about how they're going to think or perceive you instead of tuning into what is true for what we need. So this is where we can suspend ourselves or self-abandon in favor of that preservation of the belonging or that relationship. Have you ever started dating somebody new and put on a playlist that you thought they would approve of versus what songs or playlists you actually are feeling in that moment. And for some of us, because we've been operating in this way for so long, it can create what's called an enmeshment 
of our mental, emotional, and even energetic or resource boundaries. As in, I can't make these decisions in myself, but through another person. And so we'll get into that in a moment when we talk about boundaries. But I think the big piece that allows us to be able to to even, even contemplate creating those boundaries is to be able to cultivate the skill of self-regulation. And self-regulation is our ability to, to down-regulate our own nervous system or return our own nervous system to a calm operating system <laughs> instead of staying in a heightened state of fight or flight or freeze for too long. So feeling the buzz in the body, the texture of the buzz, the texture of the, the tension in the body, the, the racing of the thoughts, the racing of the heart, the sweating palms, or even just frozen um, blank thoughts gone, not able to operate disjointed in our, in our movements or in our words. Those are symptoms that we're not in the window of tolerance or in a more regulated nervous system state. And, and that isn't to say that you don't have emotions. You can have emotions. You can be sad. You can be angry. You can be um, worried in a state of a calm nervous system. But that, and that's what I'm talking about earlier of um, having, being connected with that sense of self and allowing the emotion to be there, but the emotion isn't overwhelming you or crowding you. It's more of like a, in therapy, we call it dual awareness. I could acknowledge that I have this thought, but I'm also very connected with myself. Self-regulation is so important because we're moving about this. Well, really, we're moving through this world in our own bodies by ourselves. And if we can't be able to regulate our nervous system, this is where we have the experience of falling apart all the time. Or we might find the, that we've developed a solution of regulating ourselves through another person which means co-regulation. Co-regulation is the ability to allow somebody else to soothe us or bring us back into that nervous system state. We need co-regulation. We need to be able to lean on others to be able to allow somebody to hold us, to soothe us. This, this is intimacy. Like This is so important for the health of relationships, but so is self-regulation. And the idea of this is to have a balance of being able to do both. If we only co-regulate, then we go out into this world and we explore the world and its curiosities, and we can't handle when stress arises and it surpasses our threshold of what we can tolerate. We just fall apart, like I said. But we also can't just self-regulate because we'll notice that it's really hard to have intimate relationships. This manifests in those in the ways where. Um, when we're feeling out of sorts, we close the door, we leave, we won't go to the friend's party because we just, we, we can't, we can't deal. And we don't want anybody else to see that. This is where we have the walls and we're rigid. 
with letting people see different parts of us, maybe even parts of ourselves that we don't really like or parts of ourselves that we're afraid if we show, it's going to mean the end of the relationship or nobody else wants that quality in us, right? Well, that's not sustainable. Neither of these are sustainable. So self-regulation, learning about how to downregulate yourself, co-regulation, being able to allow other people to soothe me. And this leads to our third skill for cultivating and helping to alleviate some of this burnout. Mm. Boundaries. Boundaries are the experience of designating where I begin you end where you end, I begin. You know, the, it's it's almost like you imagine this invisible fence that designates this is how much I'm willing or able to give and then no more. This is the end. This is the personal limit that expresses what it is that we need. This requires our cultivation of knowing what our authentic voice is of learning how to separate their needs from my needs and to be able to express that. And for many of us who have been operating by these solutions for so long of enmeshment, of, of thinking through other people, this can feel really scary and this can feel really wrong in the body when we start establishing boundaries because we're not used to this. This is going against our mental, uh, w- uh, our mental working model of how the world operates and how to keep ourselves safe. But boundaries are how you create a sustainability in these relationships. All right. So I'm reminded of this relationship that I had back in my early twenties. That was at the beginning, fucking fantastic. Like this dude went above and beyond. I swear to God, literally would do everything for me. And he was so good at anticipating what I would need or what I would want. It would bring me to tears mainly because Partially because my love language is acts of service. So definitely hitting against that part of me, (laughs) but also because there was this, this feedback loop of like, um, I would just come to tears when they would just show up and do all these, all these things. But over time, it, there started to build this tension between us and, and I could feel my partner getting snappy or my partner getting a little more short with me and saying comments under their breath about, you know, something that they did for me. And it would leave me feeling really frozen because I wouldn't know what to do with that or, or even know how to, how to remedy that. And then I would take back and be like, no, 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 it's okay. You know, you don't have to do all this, but ultimately that relationship ended. And it wasn't until later that the two of us could come back and have a conversation around that to recognize that my partner was not really connecting with his authentic self through that. He was experiencing the pressures of our culture onto him that he needed to be a quote unquote king and that to be a king, 
through his translation meant that he worshiped, showered, did everything for the queen and did all of these things go above and beyond over and over and over and be so considerate and so amazing and so, so giving and generous and all this stuff. But that wasn't, wasn't connecting to him. It was making all these decisions through what he believed that I wanted in order to preserve the relationship and in order for him to, to also feel good, right? It, it met his needs for being understood and being seen and belonging, but it wasn't sustainable. And so how often in our relationships do we start out, you know, doing all these grand gestures and all these things and we try to keep up with that or, or we believe we create now created an expectation that that's who we are and we over identify with that and we can't keep it up. And the resentment that we build underneath that is almost like this underlying statement of how dare you make me show up in this way that isn't really me in order to have this relationship. So that needs to come back on you, boo-boo. I've even had uh, in some of my speaking events, you know, women tell me uh, around sexuality, they're like, yeah, I have this pattern of dating men and then I get bored and then I, and then I end it and I have to, but the relationships that are super hot and heavy and, and, but they're also not good for me. So why do I keep going for the bad guys, you know, stuff and, and I can't, you know, maintain these, these healthy relationships and, and and I come to this question of like, A, it could be a trauma bond. You know, we, we might actually be addicted to this, this high state of um, emotional um, uh, dysregulation. And I have a podcast episode on exactly that. So check out the trauma bonds um, podcast episode. But it is also recognizing your part. Like, what are you contributing to these relationships? What are you, are you creating intentionality? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you engaging and are you a, discovering the type of sex that you want? And are you communicating that? Are you taking intentional time to learn about yourself in a relational sense? And are you learning to ask for what you need? And are you learning to set your boundaries? Oof, that's a lot, right? Relationships take work. Good sex lives, I, I should say, great relationships take work. Great sex lives take work. It all takes intentionality. The work doesn't have to be bad. It can actually be really fun and playful, but it does take intentional effort. If you are identifying as being the nice person or being the generous person or being questions, sit with those because you may be setting yourself up for failure here. You may be setting yourself for really up for relationship burnout or work burnout or sex burnout. I personally, Dr. Kat, I'm kind. I'm very kind, but I'm not nice. Niceness is if I please others, 
then others will like and love me and I will receive the need of belonging. But the compulsion to be valued here in this sense can lock us up in a niceness cage. Being not nice, quote unquote, or being your authentic self, connecting to your authentic voice enables us our own value. Not being nice is not about being mean. It's not about being arrogant or inconsiderate. It's about knowing what you want. It's about knowing your limits and it's about saying no. I believe, and maybe I should make t-shirts and hats about this, but no is kind. Because if you're not able to sustain yourself, AKA by using these boundaries and your authentic voice, it's going to impact not only your health, your mental and emotional experience, your physical body, but also your love life and your sex life. It's all going to go to shit. It's all going to go to shit. (laughs) I don't mean to be that dramatic, but I mean to be that dramatic. You deserve to have the sex life and love life that you desire. Not a sexless relationship or sexless marriage. So if we look at, at boundaries, we can break this up into three categories. And I want you to sit with where you're falling into line with this. So the first one is rigid. And rigid boundaries manifest in walling off from getting too close. This is emotional withdrawal to feel safe again. Rigid boundaries have very few intimate or close relationships. There's an internal chronic fear of rejection. There's an upholding strict rules of contact for those who make it even past the wall. A wall is a protection especially after living in an enmeshed childhood, meaning that there's a fusion of the energy or the mental emotional needs of a parent and and us as children. So sometimes our parents getting our needs met or regulating through us or us suspending ourselves to be able to take care of our parents. Rigid walls also can have a difficult time with asking for help or they might be fiercely private or they might repress the intuitive voice, the authentic voice, and as a result, feel very lonely. Loose boundaries. This is where conformity manifests. This is where enmeshment happens, meaning a fusion of our identity or our mental and emotional needs. This is where we might engage in compulsive people-pleasing where we might define our self-worth by the opinions of other people. We might have trouble with being able to say no or even knowing what our limits are. We might overshare private information too soon. So this is where we emotionally dump and we go, hold all of my stuff as soon in date number one. (laughs) This is chronic fixer, helper, saver, rescuer. This is where they try to function for another person, try to tell them what to do or trying to, you know, take over their job to be able to alleviate the stress of the other person. This is 
losing your sense of identity in attempts to preserve a relationship. Again, concept of conformity or self-sacrifice. And then the last boundary, which is the healthy ideal is flexible. And so this is where we're aware of, and we value our own thoughts, our own opinions, our own beliefs. We know how to communicate our needs to other people. We can share personal information appropriately over time as trust is built. This is consistently able to say no when needed, and we accept others to in doing the same. So we don't take no as a rejection. Or if we do, we just, we honor that experience and we're just like, okay, that just feels shitty in my body. And then, but I can see that nobody is obligated to do these things for me. Nobody's obligated to hold the space for me. Unless it's my partner, which hopefully we have those healthy relationships. And that's where we're talking about flexible boundaries. Flexible boundaries is also gives us the agency for others to be themselves and for them to live their own lives. Even your friends, they're not obligated to show up. They don't have to. They've got to take care of themselves too. Not the expense of themselves to show up for you every time. Flexible boundaries allows us to have close and intimate and sustaining relationships. And flexible boundaries is the ability to regulate our emotions, self-regulate, and allow others to express themselves. A boundary is not for others, it's for you. We try to force other people our boundaries, like ultimatums, but that's not a boundary. That's not a flexible boundary. That is a manipulation tactic (laughs) that's assigning a consequence to somebody else's behavior as a means of trying to get them to change in the way that you deem is important. So a boundary is ultimately a personal limit that is expressed so that your need can be directly met. And when our needs aren't being met or when they're actively infringed upon, we can't point a finger at another person and say, you have to change. We have to identify what acts do I need to do to be able to ensure that I get my needs met, to take care of myself. And sometimes that's letting go some of these relationships. So a better question to ask ourselves is, what do I need to do to make sure that my needs are better met? Or sometimes the question is, especially as it pertains to burnout and relationship burnout, do I have the spaciousness, spaciousness meaning (laughs) self-energy, to be able to hold space for this other person or do what this other person is needing? Am I self-sacrificing in order to to honor the, the need of this other person? So when we think about the practice of negotiation, where we are, again, seeking a win-win scenario where both people feel held, I suggest first identifying what your ideal outcome is, then identifying what your boundary is, 
and then identifying where your point of negotiation or your compromise, what is that edge? It might be uncomfortable, but you're not self-sacrificing yourself at this point. And then inviting the other person to be able to do the same. And then when we come together, we have some material to work with versus if we go into these conversations, not knowing what those points are for us, it becomes a lot easier for us to self-sacrifice because we're waiting for the other person to come forward with their decision or with their boundary or edge or ideal. So I invite starting with yourself and tuning in there. So relationship burnout, career burnout, sex burnout can all be prevented the more that we take the time to cultivate this relationship with self. We give ourselves permission to need what we need. We pay attention. We're patient with ourselves. We honor the pace. We learn to say no. Mm. So here's to everyone who pushed through the pandemic with your work, with your relationship, with whatever else. Maybe you self-sacrificed. Maybe you self-abandoned to be able to maintain these things. And now you're feeling the fatigue of it all. It's okay. Have compassion for yourself and doing the best that you can. And now you have a podcast to help you learn better. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat play and sex better so you can improve your sex life which will improve every aspect of your life until next time keep it sexy